0: We're the Forgotten Generation, a misplaced slice of the 20th century, when birth rates were as low as expectations for the future. We lived under the threat of constant nuclear annihilation, playing outside, but always inherently knowing the future was indoors. We are the second half of Generation X. We were some of the first to play video games, program home computers, and record CDs to cassette mixtapes. Our generation was nourished by New Wave, Imperfect Punk Rock, and John Hughes movies. We built Web 1.0 from the ground up using our childhood 8-bit and 16-bit programming skills. They call us Gen X. We prefer the vertical blank generation where magic happens between the lines because that's where we live, love, and thrive. We are Generation Atari. Jeff it's a it's a Halloween we've never done a Halloween episode we haven't because Halloween scares me no it doesn't really scare well kind of sure. scares me too um so we have some let's let's you know when we were growing up playing video games there weren't a lot of horror games were there um on the 2600 we played Haunted House it wasn't I mean, only horror. we bought Haunted House sometime I think in 82 is that when it came out I don't know when it came up. We bought it later than than I than I mean I don't. It might have been (laughs) eighty two or eighty three. I think we didn't buy it right when it came out. No, we bought it as a as a as a five six dollar game at the uh, KB probably eighty three and it was cheap. And I think it was at Target. It was cheap. And I think what bothered me about it was the cover was was weirdly not scary. Yeah. But it's a neat game. Haunted House actually is a pretty decent version of what is sort of a combination of, of adventure. It's kind of, a, it's kind of like adventure, but you're in the dark the whole time. And yeah, it, I like the dark, you know, the, the fact that you had the, the flashlight and you could only see certain things and, and that you were a set of eyes. Like that was that was a really clever way to handle. You know, the sprite was just make you a set of eyes. Right. The only other scary game I remember at that was an actual Atari cartridge made by Atari was Demons to Diamonds, which really wasn't a scary game. What about Demon Attack? Well, Demon Attack was really was birds that were attacking you, so I didn't really ever never really thought them of as demons. But yeah, I think Demon Attack was scary because it was so effing good, and that when the birds started coming down at you, it was like it it was scary good. How about that? Demon Attack was scary. You know what was also a little scary? Escape from the Mind Master. Oh, yeah. Escape from the Mind Master was great. But yeah, you were, you were, you know, in that game, you were captured by you know, an alien and had to get out of that maze on the, on the Star Path Supercharger. What a great game. After listening to Ferg's um, podcast about it, though, I don't think I would ever be able to finish it. Did Ferg do a podcast on Escape from the Mind Master? I think so. I, uh, I don't, remember, Ferg, just don't remember. Did it, Ferg so. do a, someone did one. Here yeah. Episode one twenty-seven of the Atari twenty-six hundred game by game podcast by Ferg was indeed a study in escape from the Mind Master for the Supercharger for the Atari twenty-six hundred. Yeah. Um, and it was and it was really good. Yeah, I think Ferg did one. Maybe it wasn't Ferg, but I know I know I've listened to one about it. Backtalk. Uh, I'll give you I'm some. getting backtalk. a little low under talking. I don't know exactly what it's from. Mike um, can always talk a little louder too the next i think of the vcs the games weren't super scary but you know like i said like it was haunted house which is good i still think it's a good fun game you know it's one of those games that used the resources of the vcs in a really good way to make a fun game they weren't pushing it to do something it couldn't do let's see um on the atari 800s scary games that we had well i mean the one that was literally pants soiling scary was behind jagi lines right the first time the monster showed up right yeah oh my the first time the alien jumps up on and it's not what was the rescue on fractalus was the name when it you know was released but um when that alien surprised you and jumped up on the screen it was so effing scary i mean i think that's the first time i actually jumped out of my seat playing uh, computer game in like 1984, 1984, 84, 85. I don't know exactly. I think we got it in 84. We got another, it before it came out. So <laughs> another game with a relatively scary. know we got it before it came out. Um, another game with a relatively scary theme. Relatively was uh, Satan's Hollow. I'm not sure it ever came out, but we have the. Uh, we, no, no, we, we play- had a demo. We had a we had a, a pre-release. Brandon, and our friend Brandon, who had the Cleco Vision, loved his Satan's Hollow. Yeah. Um, what's funny about the Cleco is Mr. Dew, and he was certain that it that the score, stopped keeping score, at six sixty six thousand six hundred and sixty points. But actually, it was sixty five thousand. It was the it was the score of you know what what could be held in a two. They had two eight bit registers, yes, two eight bit registers so, to keep the score. But but it but it looked it looks at, so so of course he being Brandon being the the heavy the, metal fan, you yeah. know. Iron Maiden and Motley Crue, like he kind he kind of liked the fact that it turned over. Two fifty six times two fifty six is sixty five five three six, which is where it actually it. turned over. But it was close enough to six 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 for him to be you know excited. And Marshall, his brother Marshall, was actually the one that. pointed Yes, that that's out. right. That's right. Because Marshall's favorite game was. But that always made me think because you know we were we had our Catholic upbringing. It always made me think that the Clique of Vision was evil. <laughs> well exactly so let me tell you something about Marshall was great Marshall Brandon's and the Click He Marshall Chris was great at uh, at like distilling things down through their base level so Marshall said there's only two types of games when he played Mr. Do there's only two type of games there's Mr. Do and there's Space Invaders like everything <laughs> is in the Space Invaders Mr. Dude, That's then they right. played Donkey Kong, and he said, "Okay, there's a third game. It's Donkey Kong." But that was it. Like, like there was only three different kinds of games that were made. You know, he's a centipede with space invaders. Sa- anything was, you know, anything where you're at the bottom of the screen and shot with space invaders. Sa- anyway, oh, you um, know what else was scary? As I remember, when Evil Otto showed up in Berserk, like, yeah, yeah, sure, because he, he was unkillable. Yeah. So anything that was anything that could kill you automatically and he was unkillable, that was definitely scary. Yeah, that was that was definitely. And and also, um, oh, Wizard of War. Yeah, Wizard of War. Wizard of War at the at the Guild um, Drug. Yeah, because they had little monsters in it, and then the, the wizard when well, the wizard showed up and disappeared, you know, teleported around the the maze. Uh, I always would have you know Wizard of War is interesting. I would have dreams where. Um, actual little dreams where I was playing two-player with someone, and we were standing back-to-back, back and we were unstoppable. <laughs> yeah, that's what you do. I remember um, we did have an Atari 800 version of it. I have the cart now, and but we never had the 2600 version. In fact, I don't know if there was it. There was a 2600 version. Well, there is now. But I mean, there's a new one. There's a new one that's out. That's someone made, too. It's there's incredible. John Champo of Champ Games fame has created several homebrew titles for the Atari 2600, including Scramble, Zookeeper, a version of Galaga, and, of course, Wizard of War. And um, let's see. So on the Atari 100, any other scary games? On the, um, those- I mean, I mean. Ghostbusters, that would be on the, that was on the Commodore 64. And, and that Atari was also 100. on the tar- I love Ghostbusters, actually. Yeah, on, on the, the 800. 2600. And- I yeah. remember, on the 800, I remember br- t- packing out the car before you went out with this stuff right. that you had. To- I love that. You could vacuum up the ghosts while you're driving and stuff. It was pretty funny. It was like funny. a strategy action. It was the type of game that, that, um. That David Crane excelled at um, was that type it, of thing. It was combined it, it was basically Star Raiders in a different. It genre. was a little bit like Star Raiders <laughs> fighting ghosts, which is without not no three D right, but like you, you had to get there by doing the warp, and when you're warping there, you were sucking up ghosts with a vacuum. By the time you got there, that was like dodging the asteroids, and then by the time you, you got know, there, you're, you're using your streams to pull the ghosts in the thing. A little more strategy than you know. But still. You know what? What also felt scary on the eight hundred and was some of the Infocom games. Well, like, yeah, of course. I think we the one we purchased was Suspect, Deadline. No, no, we had Deadline, but so, what was the one we purchased where you had a lariat? It, like, there's, there's, was Deadline, Suspect, and Witness were the three. Um, yeah, totally. but we we bought one which you were the suspect. Like, you become the suspect in a murder, That's right. and you get caught really early. Yeah. The game Steve is referring to is indeed Suspect, released in 1984 by Infocom for the Atari 100, as well as many other platforms.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, I it yeah.
0: and I think it was Suspect. And I was always scared of me because I could never get I never get past the fact that you were caught and, and, and sent. you were caught and you were, yeah, you're going to go suspect. to jail. I, we might have bought Deadline as well, might have had both, both of those. Or maybe, no, maybe we got Deadline, it came with the computer. Yeah, might have. I know we got I, we purchased one of them. I know that we did. Um, we had a bunch of Scott Adams adventures too, and those were a little bit frightening on their side. You know, yeah, uh, not like not scary necessarily, but yeah, a little bit. But the Atari ST era is when, like, when the graphics could be better is when scary stuff really kind of took off, and some of it, some of it felt real, and I have a couple stories about that, but I remember. One game called Cult K U L T that we bought, which is called something. It has another name in um in in, in you know when it was re-released on the Amiga. Uh, but that game it was an adventure point-click adventure game, and if you did everything right in the game, about eight minutes in, you would you would be sent to your death every time. <laughs> And you like, and you never know what happened. And then it, you realize at one point that you're supposed to not do what you're told. And then you you fight you figure out that you've been you get sacrificed to these aliens. And then you figure out how not to get sacrificed to aliens. So it starts out kind of like um, a uh, uh, Groundhog's Day, where you keep trying to figure out how not to die. And then once you do, you get through, and it becomes more of a standard adventure game. But such a weird, weird game. We Wait. bought that. Um, we bought the import at Computer Games Plus. And brought it home, and I I was kind of disappointed by it, but I but I but I was so mad that I spent my forty bucks that um, I did end up playing it and figuring out how to win. But I think the uh, the black knights, the black knights show up in um, fantasy one or fantasy. Oh my that god, that scared me every single time. That I was, was like, like yeah, that was like it's basically you were dead piece. until you became good enough to kill. Yeah, black that black. and that whole element of like you're gonna die if you 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 you're it's kind of like. Kind of like uh, the shark in Jaws or the sandworm in Dune, where like you keep pushing your luck, but if you meet if you meet it, you're you're done, right? Right. So right. you would always go out into the wilderness, you know, looking for random encounters in fantasy, but um, you could only push so far because if you got the black light nights, that was it. Yeah, you you uh, well you could offer I think you could tribute them or something. they didn't kill you every time but um, you could you could offer a, gr- a tribute or something yeah but you should you did not what they took half your money or something I right but yeah 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 like, took you money. just did not want to meet them but the whole idea of that little sense of fear it was it was a little bit like the shock of the alien in um, behind jadi lines like jumping up on you. Yeah. So tell your real scary Atari. ST well, story. you know, there's there's a couple. So this goes along with, um, somewhat with the story that was for this episode because we had a lot of creepy stuff happen in our house growing up. But it wasn't really overtly creepy in no. like a way where like it was just weirdly creepy in like in like a subtle way. Yeah. Well, I mean, so 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 the one time I woke up. This is all around the same time. I woke up and and distinctly heard typing on our SD keyboard. Like someone was typing, but no one was there. Like like the sound of keys, Oscars. you know, clicking. And these are all these things that I never wanted to happen. So I would I would figure it, try to figure out how to recreate them, but I could never I could ne- never do like, it. So is there a cat walking on the yeah, keyboard? Yeah, but there wasn't. There wasn't. It was really strange. And this is the same room that we had. You know, this is our room that we had when we were like eleven. To 24 this is the same room our sister moved out of because she was sure some some something had touched her face in the middle of the night and so she got so scared she let her little brother stay in there instead um and um yeah um well she was scared and we and vi- we, we, we took took over i remember um... that night because we had watched uh, honestly i think we were watching the two-part um, season opener of chips the way they were doing roller, roller disco I was yeah. really excited and she had gone to her room to go to sleep and she screamed and woke and ran out and said she was sure someone touched her face she was sure it was Gramps who touched her face because Gramps Aww. had just died not too long before but anyway she let it we, we got to go in that room and so so this is years late nothing really happened in that room that I remember except like there were lots of knocks on the walls all the time you know, and it might have been because the house was old and creaking, but I would wake up and the and and you know there were knocks on the walls all the time, like little ticky ticky, and I was like, "What is that?" So Good. much so that I, you know, I, I I put it out of my mind. But anyway, you blocked it out. Yeah, you blocked it out. So there was out. a time I distinctly heard typing on the keyboard. Then there was the time I was playing Dungeon Master late at night, and I was listening to a cassette tape that was not. It was like U two or the alarm or something and um and i'm just about to see you know just about to get down to the bottom Wait, are you listening or, on headphones or how are you listening no to no no i was listening in our room like lightly playing our room it's about 11 o'clock at night we, oh, we in our room i could play music and no one would hear it through the house like no one That's came cool. came to say anything so it wasn't loud but it was on um so i'm just about to see lord chaos and the tape player stops by itself and i'm like what the f and I get up, and the tape player had stopped at t- ca- tape counter what, Jeff? Six six six. Yes, it stopped at six six. I'm like, what the hell is that about? Okay. And then I'm like, okay. So what I would do is I would t- I would go back and reverse the tape, and get the tape counter close to that, and try to replicate it. Like, is there a reason that the tape had a knot in it or something? No, never. It could never replicate it. So whatever reason that happened, anything like that happened to you, Jeff? No. Really? I mean, realistically. No, not not. I don't remember anything like the only thing I remember one is is like um, just with the computers and stuff. No, um, you know, uh, somebody uh, not not at that time. No, when we went back there, um, when Dad was in the hospital, and someone pushed me out of the um the. Uh, out of the way uh, out of the um Oh out of the attic. the attic and and i fell down and landed on my back but luckily not on the ladder or i would be in it i'd be a quadriplegic yeah, right that now was, that was crazy um, that someone was crazy. knocked the ladder away you and pushed me the, out of the you attic. were in the attic yeah that you were getting up How, what happened you were you i was i was i i actually no i was going down the ladder and the ladder slipped out from under me, someone pulled the ladder out from under me because the ladder was pretty sturdily up on a side thing. Yeah. Anyway, whatever happened, but someone helped me not land the ladder when I came down because I just landed and I was fine. It was yeah. like I fell ten feet onto my back and I was fine because something floated me down and let me live. That was in which, which that goodness. was in twenty ten, right? That yeah. was twenty ten. Yeah, or yeah. But on the computers, no, not really. Although. Hey, right now, right next to me, I'm feeling a cold brush of air in my. Are you really? Room. Yes, it's giving me. It's well, you giving didn't me creep, creepy. Oh my, my! My whole body is. Is it really? I, I'm not kidding. My whole body has got has got like, um, uh, like shivers at my back right now. It's very strange. <laughs> This is not a joke. It is absolutely 100% true. At that moment of our conversation, the air around me, Steve, got incredibly cold for no particular reason, and I still have no way to explain it. Very strange. I'm glad this is a Halloween ep- ep- episode. Yeah, this is a Halloween episode, so... Um... So I'll tell you mine, because now that we're going through it, the la- that, well, why well, there was one time I was in our bathroom and um i was getting ready for school and and someone tugged on my shirt from behind that was around the same time i would and i always try to recreate these things again i'd be like okay how did i brush my shirt up against the sink or anything? i could never right. do it i could never because i didn't want these things to happen at all right you were and trying then, to re- yeah, you'd recreate them to try and make And them, then make the them other the it. other time was um was in the shower i the um the the shower bottle started spinning and I was, I'm like, okay, so how can I recreate that? Like, was it water on the thing that made them turn by themselves? And I, I guess I got it so that the water had splashed directly against them. It would work, but, um, but I never really was able to do it. But when I was playing the, so when the Tarius T we had got a game called the Hound of Shadows, which was a Call of Cthulhu themed game. And. Uh, That's not, isn't that a, isn't that Sherlock Holmes? One two no 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 it's not oh, okay. it's not it, it, that's a different. It, Old Town of Baskerville. Yeah, anyway, so, one, yeah, of it was it was a little it's sort of a combination of Sherlock Holmes and and you know because you can do that right Sherlock Holmes is is um, open source or whatever public domain so was playing that game and again we this is on our five twenty st so it, it's not it's not a it's not an st that has a an internal clock and this is very important okay. So I'm playing that game, which is a weird text adventure to begin with. And um, I'm playing on New Year's Eve. On New Year's Eve. On New Year's Eve. And I play into the morning on New Year's Day. And at some point, I type something into the game. And the game says back to me, Happy New Year. I remember you telling me all about that. I'm like, what the hell? Why is the game saying Happy New Year to me? And um, I didn't ask you to type in the date or anything I didn't, like No, that, there's no I didn't. date. There's no nothing. The game wasn't New Year. I have no idea what was going on. But to me, I was like, that was effing strange. So we had a haunted Atari 520. Yeah, so I don't we, know. Maybe. Yeah, we, or something. And that went to Brandon's house, and then then they got 666 on their ColecoVision after, anyway. No, they didn't um, get that was before. I know. i know, I'm joking. Realizing this needed further research, I went online tonight and downloaded the disk images for Hound of Shadow from atarimania.com, and then went to the website hexed.it, loaded them in one at a time, and searched for strings. There are many strings on those disk images, but what I found was this. The word new appears twice, once in the word newspaper and once in the phrase new.oxford. The word year appears once as well, but not in the context that I described. And the word happy doesn't appear at all. And the string happy new year or happy new years doesn't appear anywhere. It's possible that some of the strings in this game on this disc have been encrypted so people couldn't look at the disk to figure out the game But there's many strings that are not and it would seem weird that that would be the only thing that would be encrypted Maybe what I saw was an Easter egg But it certainly was weird because again back in 1989 or 1990 when this happened my computer did not have an internal time clock There was no way for it to know what the day was it was just an extremely strange and bizarre thing to happen. And it also ha- happened out of sync. It wasn't like something the game was doing where I was having a conversation with it. It was very bizarre and lives today is one of the weirdest things that has ever happened to me. Did I have a haunted Atari ST computer? I don't know. The answer is maybe. Okay, so um, there, was a, there was another game that was pen and paper you wanted to discuss. The psychic game? Oh, oh. Well, I mean, I have a whole story about that. Uh, oh, game oh, that Dad okay, wanted okay. us to play. Let's do the story. Play the story right now, then. Yeah. So here's a story about about what my dad a game a game my dad used to play with us, and it's sort of, sort of, sort of is some background on why um, we we maybe we were so creeped out in our house when we were growing up. Yeah. <laughs> unexplained part one okay now you need to stay completely quiet and concentrate on that image my dad told me I was sitting at the kitchen table staring at a drawing I had just made on a piece of notebook paper I had drawn a cat or at least it was what I thought was a cat a round face pointy triangular ears a little button nose with whiskers jetting out in all directions. For coming from a family of people who were illustrators, painters, and actors with tons of capacity for artwork, I was kind of a dull pencil. There was definitely a huge disconnect between what I saw in my head and what made it onto the page. "'Send the image to your brother,' my dad continued. "'Send it with your mind.' I tried to do what he said. I taxed my six-year-old brain as much as I could, concentrating on my marginal cat drawing. I imagine that my artwork is being broken into little mind bits and transported through my brain waves to my brother, who was, at that very moment, sitting in the designated isolation chamber, my mom and dad's bedroom, at a card table, waiting for my ESP transmission. Concentrate, my dad instructed. Concentrate harder. I imagined a flow of a river directly from my head to my brother's head. Pieces of badly drawn cat arriving at his brain and working their way through down to his hand where they'd be replicated on his notebook paper. You were born together in the womb, my dad said. You have an unbreakable bond. Use that connection to send messages. He was right about the unbreakable bond. My brother and I liked almost the same stuff and did almost everything together. They said we were fraternal twins, but I didn't believe it. We were identical in almost every way. Maybe we did share a mind. Maybe we did split from the same embryo. And ever since, the universe has been trying to get us to reconnect again. I have it! My brother yelled from behind the bedroom door. He opened the door and ran out to show my dad the transmitted drawing that was now in his hand. My dad was ready to judge the drawings. Hmm. Let's see, he said. As he looked at Jeff's work, he took my drawing from me and compared them. Hmm... It was a long minute that he pondered the results. I couldn't wait any longer and stole a glance at Jeff's version of my transmission. Jeff had drawn a race car. Look here, my dad blurted out. Tires on Jeff's car are round, and so is the face of the cat. This is definitely progress. I didn't see any real connection at all between our drawings, but if my dad saw it, I'd believe in. Having watched every episode of In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy, he was our resident ESP expert. He was also an expert on Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, and spontaneous human combustion, all of which were common subjects in our house. My dad loved mysteries, and by extension, all of us loved them too. Next time, I'm sure you will finally get it, he told us, indicating that our ESP tests would continue beyond that day, and thus afterwards, the unexplained reigned supreme in our house. Part 2 I was the surprise. My brother and I were born in 1970, about a year before ultrasound machines were invented. My mom had no idea she was carrying two kids. She had no idea she was having twins until a second baby came out of her womb. Four minutes later, wait, there's another one, the doctor infamously said to her. I was the second baby, baby B, the surprise. We were born a month early, each of us sub four pounds. We spent the first month of our lives in an incubator, which might explain my tendency towards claustrophobia. My brother and I were always told that we were fraternal twins, which I believe means we came from two different fertilized eggs in our mom. A popular myth in our family surrounds this incident, the truth of which I could never ascertain, but it went something like this. My mom's mom, Grandma B, for Beatrice, gave each of my older sisters a silver dollar when they were born, from the year of their birth. This became a kind of family custom. So when my mom was pregnant with her third child in 1968, Grandma B on her deathbed from lung cancer, made sure to give her another silver dollar for the baby that would be coming. However, after Grandma B died, my mom made the mistake of trying to open the garage door just as the spring broke. The door slammed down and she fell with it causing a miscarriage. The baby was going to be a boy, and she planned to name him Henry. She put the silver dollar into an envelope in an otherwise empty scrapbook, the one she planned to keep for Henry. Two years later, my mom was pregnant again, and she had her new baby boy, Jeff, and her surprise second boy, me. While she was sitting in our living room nursing us, she says she saw the rocking chair in front of her start rocking back and forth. This was the same chair her mom, Grandma B, used to sit in and rock my sister's when she visited the house. Instead of being scared by the perpetual motion rocking chair, my mom felt a great comfort swirl over her. She realized that Henry had arrived, as one of my brother and I, and that her mom was there to tell her everything would be okay. Then, for an unknown reason, my mom stood up and went to check the envelope with the silver dollar in the blank scrapbook. She looked in the envelope, and instead of finding a silver dollar, she found two 50-cent pieces, one for each of her twins. This story was passed as absolute truth when I was a kid, and I was never able to ask my mom if it really was true before she died. And I'm not sure I ever wanted to. And for many years in the 70s, when my mom was trying to call one of my brother and I, she would say, Jeff, Steve, Henry, I never knew if she was kidding, or if she was calling back to that beautiful, comforting, weird, off-putting, and ultimately disturbing thought that Henry never died, and instead lived in one of us. Heck, who knows? I could be Henry writing this right now. Part 3 The psychics. So the fact that my family so ready believed ghost stories is a good indication of why they thought my brother and I might be psychic. If all this other stuff existed, we're living in a world where rocking chairs are moving by phantom grandmas that split coins when no one's looking, then why couldn't we read each other's minds? My mom was never a fan of these ESP tests her Catholic upbringing told her that we were opening ourselves up to demons by freeing our minds. It was the same reason she wrote a note to get us out of the meditation assembly at school. I'm pretty sure I recall her telling my dad she felt that the ESP tests were contributing to other weird occurrences around her house. Ghostly knocks, sounds, things my sister heard in her room. I think my dad was ready to believe her, but he was not quite ready to give up. So my dad conducted more tests attempting to prove that the sixth sense existed among my brother and I. This time, I was the receiver, sitting at the card table in my parents' bedroom, waiting for a psychic fax to be transmitted from brain-to-table from my brother to my hand, waiting to scribble whatever nonsense came into my head. I so wanted to get it right this time. If I did, maybe my dad would go away happy and we might stop taking these creepy tests. And this time my dad decided to take the test too. He actually did that often, wondering if one of us could pass messages to him instead of between our twin minds. Or maybe he would be the conduit between our twin minds. I'm not really sure what he was thinking. He went into the living room with a slip of pen and paper, closed his eyes and concentrated. Clear your mind, my dad instructed, as if I knew how to do that. I was seven. I tried anyway, I closed my eyes and covered them with my hands, pushing my palms lightly into the sockets. At first everything went black, then the color swirls appeared, the dancing photons still working their way through the rods and cones in my eyes. I waited for my very favorite part, which was when the color swirls turned into geometric shapes like triangles and squares, a vortex rainbow of muted colors. It only lasted for just a second, but it was amazing. A climax of sorts, when those disappeared, it all went truly black. Then I waited. With no transmissions arriving, my mind wandered to the front of our house. And how great it would be to get on my little orange bike and ride over that small route next to the concrete. It would be a perfect jump after coming down the street and up the driveway at an angle. I took out the pen and paper in front of me and drew exactly what I would seen our house. This is what was on my mind, not ESP, but getting outside, playing, and doing the stuff I craved. Okay, my dad said, time's up. I didn't want to have to explain to my dad why I'd drawn what I'd drawn. My mind had not been clear. I did not follow his instructions. This just meant we would have to do the test again. My dad took my paper, and I followed him out of the bedroom towards my brother, who had been transmitting from the kitchen table. I so wanted just to tell my dad I'd rather be outside. I wanted to ask him to help us get new bikes so my brother and I could ride motocross style like he did on real motorcycles on the weekends. I wanted this scary stuff to end. I wanted to forget the unexplained and just get on with being a kid. Hmm. I heard my dad say, hmm. Look at this. He showed my brother's drawing next to mine, side by side. Jeff had drawn a mountain scene, complete with sun, clouds, and sky. Our drawings did not match in any way. However, this time my dad was not looking at Jeff's. He was looking at the ones he and I had drawn. My dad and I had pretty much drawn exactly the same thing. was the front face of our house, with the door, front door, and windows. There were a few small differences, but other than that, they were pretty much the same drawing, of course, in our own styles. My dad was so excited that our ESP test had finally worked. He made a frame for our drawing and put it on his wall. It stayed there for more than 30 years. We did several more tests, and on at least two more occasions, either Jeff or I matched something my dad had drawn. We never, as far as I can recall, could match each other, though. I think the law of averages says that if you try something long enough, you'll eventually succeed, so maybe that's what was true with our psychic tests. but who knows. Even though my brother and I are very close, it's obvious we could never read each other's minds, but it would have been totally cool if we could. However, there is one thing, unexplained, that to this day still bothers me the most. The thing that was so weird, but no one ever addressed in our house. The one thing so weird and unexplained that I really still to this day want an explanation. How did the doctors miss that there were two babies instead of one inside my mom? How was I a surprise? Again, they said we were fraternal twins, but I never believed it. Fraternal twins usually don't look and act identically like we did. I always felt the fraternal thing was the doctor's excuse for up royally maybe he said oh well there are two and how could i know because they're fraternal as if that would mask the fact that they missed two heartbeats in nine months even so my brother and i like the exact same things and we think pretty much the same thing about everything we might not be psychic but we might as well be to this day i can pretty much predict how he will feel about any book movie tv show song computer game because it's exactly the way i feel about it We may not have ESP, but between my brother and I, this fact still remains the unexplained. So Jeff, do you remember those psychic... Psychic- I remember all of that, so, especially the tree one. Especially the houses and trees and yeah, things. yeah. Were- so, so here's here's what I want to say. So, we were just in a storage area, our parents' stuff yesterday, and we were looking through the stuff, and we found the actual three of the psychic tests and the results, um, which are which are pretty. So, th- there were three, including the house one. Um, that dad and I had, had, had... You and I... I guess you and I never really did... T- Dad's the we one who did, But we would be them. the one person was always the sender and then other people would do the things. Yeah. And now that I'm thinking about what he made us do, I, I would never do this with my kids. I mean, like, no wonder we were creeped stuff. out in our house when yeah. we were growing up. Um, um, but the other thing was, you know, we, we opened a box of mom stuff and then the power went out in the in the storage <laughs> facility immediately. Just in the place where we were. So anyway... I think that's good for a Halloween episode. What, what do you think? Sure, yeah. I mean, <laughs> thank tr- you. This is Halloween of the Vertical Blank. This is these are all true stories. Um, even though you know, they're, probably, they're, we've actually tried to block out. We tried to block. Yeah, there's there's a lot more too. There's but more I, too. Right. There's, there's more, more too. But I'm fr- afraid to put down on tape. I know. <laughs> Hey, we're gonna see if you got any um EMPs on this when you probably did. Oh, that's right. We were writing a a podcast a couple years ago and got a definite um uh what's it called? a EVP on it. Oh EVP, right. Which is interesting. But um we're talking about mom and all of a sudden we got this EVP. It was just so weird. This is what we're referring to here. Jeff and I have another podcast named Never Let the Fires Die about the 80s band The Alarm. We took a break for about four months of that podcast when our mom died, and on the first podcast recording back, we got this weird voice, what seems like a voice, on a recording. It doesn't sound like interference. It sounds very strange. Here's the outtake right now. You can decide for yourself what you think it is. We could never explain it. This one. Yeah, me too. And it didn't. Hi, so this is Steve. I'm editing this, and I heard this weird sound. Did, Did you hear this? And it didn't. All right, let's listen to that one more time. What is that? And it didn't. Okay, now I'm going to turn the volume up a lot, and maybe someone can figure out what this says. And it didn't. So, I don't know what that is, but it sounds like we actually captured a real EVP as we were recording this, which is absolutely bizarre. Anyway, uh, uh, done. Um, Let's go back to the podcast now. And now for something less creepy, but maybe even more scary. Here's a story from Jeff about his venture into holiday-themed viral games. Well, one of his ventures. This is the story of Pumpkin Man. this is 8-Bit Jeff here. What you just heard was the beginning music under the title screen animation and credits for a game I created in 2007 and 2008 called Pumpkin Man. Welcome to the liturgy of 8-Bit Rocket Pumpkin Man. Let me tell you something scary, really scary. It's February 2008 well before the retro game craze was coming back in full swing. And you are me, releasing your first Script 3 game to an angry, easily bored, game-playing mass of people at Newgrounds.com. The game was supposed to take one month and be released in Halloween 2007. But you worked your butt off to make something really, really good that you felt was great in many ways, and released it four months late. Are you scared yet? I certainly was. ActionScript 3 was the last Flash programming language. It was based on advanced object-oriented JavaScript well before its time. The game I created was called Pumpkin Man, and it was sort of a Halloween-themed Ultra Pac-Man clone with a puzzle to solve on each of the levels. I rejected the classic methods of making Flash games, which was to use the animation timeline. The timeline and keyframe animation was the method that 99% of all Flash games were made with up to that point in 2007. Flash and its timeline was meant for animation, not to make games but a mass of hugely popular web games had been made with it. One problem, I hated it. I hated the Flash timeline and its keyframe animation game development workflow. It was awful to me. So even scarier, I threw away this method to make my game. The same method that was in all the books I would purchased. It was in all the games that I had played. It was in all the most popular games that had been developed, and I threw it away for a brand new way of making games. Actually, my method wasn't new, it was old. Developed way before Flash was even a glint in the eye of millions of web game players and hundreds if not thousands of would-be bedroom game developers. It was based on Atari ST game programming. It employed an Atari ST, or Atari 7800, or NES, or maybe Amiga, method of basically just blasting pixel data to the screen at 30 frames a second. I called it blitting, for lack of a better term. It also employed old-fashioned tile sheets and tile maps for building game screens it removed all of the bloat from a game and used the Flash Player simply as a platform for retro-style game development. It also bypassed most of the rendering limitations of Flash to make it a pure pixel-blasting game engine. But it was really an engine in itself. It was completely tile-based, and every single element of the game from the number of enemies per maze, the intelligence of each enemy, the power ups, the locations of transporters, the locations of keys and doors, and everything else was stored in data files read in when needed. This also greatly cut down on the file size, loading time, and sluggishness of the Flash player. I could put almost any number of virtual sprites onto my game screen and have them animate and move with nary a hiccup of the rendering engine. From the 8bitrocket.com blog, December 11th, 2007, Pumpkin Man Mid Mortem by 8bit Jeff. Games take a long time to make. Seriously, games are a bitch to make. I started my latest game as a supposed month long project to update Pac Man to the semi modern, well, 1990s era. I figured that Pac Man would be a pretty easy game to make and I also wanted to create a new engine in ActionScript 3 for rendering the screen. I have made many mistakes along the way, some I have fixed and some I am currently living with. Since I didn't know much about AS3 or ActionScript 3 when I started, I figured that I would use all of my mistakes as a learning experience. The game still isn't done, but I am nearing completion, and I thought it would be cathartic to spew out some of my thoughts on game design, AS3, etc. before I tackle the last few pieces of the game. The article goes on to explain some technical details about tile-based maze movement, AI for enemy, and much more. I'll leave a link in the show notes if anyone is interested in taking a look at the full article. So. To me, the game was more than the visuals and gameplay. It was a completely new method of making games in Flash. This was the first game I knew of to come out using this type of development. But game players don't care about how a game is created. They just care whether or not it's fun. Now I found Pumpkin Man to be really fun. What did the kids of New Grounds think? Especially in 2008, a retro looking game was not what they wanted. But that wasn't really the point. The point was to get this engine done and use it to make more games. There are only about 10 reviews for Pumpkin Man on Newgrounds.com. Let me explain Newgrounds.com just in case you haven't been there before. Newgrounds.com right now is a place where you can go play lots of games and watch, watch lots of web videos. But it used to be one of the single largest game platforms on the web for playing games, and everybody who was anybody put their new Flash games on new grounds, waited, and prayed for them to become a hit. A hit could get millions of plays in a day. The game I made, Pumpkin Man, is still there, 11 years later. There were only 10 reviews for the game, mostly positive, but hardly enough to make it into the top game list. The reviews mostly went like this. Hey, this is Pac-Man. Here's an example of the worst review. It's Pac-Man. Not much else. I think he meant else. Else was spelled wrong. This was kind of true. If you didn't play the game enough to understand that there were keys and doors and transporters needed to solve the puzzle on each level, you would pretty much think it's just Pac-Man. But that's okay. I was creating a game engine. The best review went like this. Good times! This game takes me back to the 80s when I was in college playing arcade games in my spare time. All in all, keep on going. You're doing great. Well, that was cool. I'll put a link to the Newgrounds page for the game in the show notes. From the 8-Bit Rocket blog, February 29th, 2008. 8-Bit Rocket Pumpkin Man Goes Gold by 8-Bit Jeff. I'm proud to announce the release of 8-bit rocket pumpkin man from the insane minds that brought the web retro blaster space eggs and home computer wars, we're bringing you more retro upgraded mad fun with pumpkin man. Princess pumpkin has been kidnapped by the evil Gordon Gruesome. He has hidden her thirty levels deep in his hideout. As Pumpkin Man, you must traverse all 30 mazes, collect all of the candy corn and power-ups in each maze, and rescue the princess. Gordon has littered his mazes with bloodthirsty bats, evil bananas, ghosts, and many other baddies. At your disposal are a host of power-ups. Collect the corn, use the power-ups, solve the puzzles in each maze, and the princess will be yours once more. I'm going to continue on with the rest of this old article because it is much better than anything I could say today about the experience, and it shows my mindset at the time. Again, from 8bitrocket.com blog, February 29, 2008, 8 Rocket Pumpkin Man Goes Gold. I've been working on this game for nearly four months. I don't have a lot of time to put into my personal games, and I like to take a lot of time to nitpick over details of them when I do have time to work on them. A few weeks ago, this game had a to-do list that was a 100 items long. Over the last few days, I've dwindled that down to 5, and then today, out of nowhere, the list was down to 0. I guess it's time to let this baby fly and move on to a new game. The game gets pretty difficult after level 10. Level codes are provided when you start each level that will allow you to skip back to that level in the level code entry screen on the main menu. There are also unlimited continues from your last played level during the same browser session. The game will keep track of your local high score as well as use Worldwide Mochi leaderboard scores. Let me explain a little about Mochi. Mochi was the first platform that allowed flash game developers to make money and create leaderboards for their games. Mochi was incredible. Mochi went out of business a few years ago. It's very really sad. They were a great company. Development notes. This is an all AS3 ActionScript 3 engine written to take advantage of blitting to a single display object. The final song that is played while you watch the Game Win cartoon was created by me a few weeks back. I was going to call it AS3 for me, but right now it's left untitled. I call it Game Win Tune, but it really doesn't have a title. The entire game engine is driven by XML and tile sheets, with the exception of the title screens and a few library objects. This will make it very easy to reskin if you would like to license the game engine or the game on a non-exclusive basis. Email us at the link below. I hope you have as much fun playing it as we did making it. I have a link that I'll put in the show notes to this article. So did anyone play it after all those glowing reviews on Newgrounds? some people must have because in march of 2009 two years after it was released i posted that the game had been played a million times across all web portals and in december 2011 the five-year anniversary of 8bitrocket.com we did an interesting article 8bit rocket blog 12:15, 2011 8bit rocket five-year anniversary Throwing up the past and the top 10 of everything we could think of. Now, there's a lot of funny stuff on this list, and I will put a link in the show notes. But the last of the list is a list of our games that we had created the top 10 games, and number one in gameplays was Pumpkin Man. In this article we post that Pumpkin Man was the most played game we had created with 2,323,507 views up to that point. I'm sure by the time Flash died completely, it might have made it up to 3 million, so I'm just going to use that number. But we don't have an accurate count and we stopped checking. Today, Flash players are turned off in most if not all browsers, and the game is in the cemetery of old games. Did those millions of plays make any money? No, not much, maybe $500 or so. At the time, most people playing and appreciating retro games were from Eastern Europe and Asia. The mochi ad service we used to monetize play didn't offer much money per play in those regions, a few cents per thousand plays at most. I did use the game engine to make a few other games. I also stripped it down and sold a version for a while and made a couple bucks from people wanting an easy way to use a game engine for their marketing websites. So why is this in a Halloween episode? Well, first of all, the game had a Halloween theme. Second, I'm trying to figure out a way to make it downloadable and playable today for anyone who wants to play it. I still think it's a great game and I really want to port it to the Atari ST or the Atari 7800 so we can enjoy it more today. Third, it was the start of the scariest portion of my work career, trying to make games and relieve the boredom of corporate IT. I knew retro games were not a big deal at the time, but I wanted to really put something out that was quality as a game engine. Of course, I was a little disappointed by the response, hey, 3 million plays isn't bad, it led directly to Steve and I writing a book on optimized ActionScript 3 game development and two volumes of an HTML5 canvas development book based on the same blitting principles. You know what would have really been scary? Not trying to do it at all. And that's the liturgy of 8-Bit Rocket Pumpkin Man, into the vertical blank. just listen to your story about pumpkin man yeah do you remember pumpkin man steve yeah i i loved pumpkin man i thought it was awesome i i thought that and again i i think you were right the scariest part of that was uh putting stuff up on new grounds yeah the scariest part of making games was was any reviews you got from kids who played games because they i were think ch- I would I would extend that and say the scariest part of trying to be an indie game developer is any email you send when you're self-promoting. Like, like you always get the feeling like this this thing you're sending is self-promotion. You're putting it up that you're going to get a negative response, and it and it's really hard, especially when the positive responses are so few and far between. Yeah, no, I completely understand. Especially doing this. If you do get a couple good reviews, is great. Does that mean there's a whole bunch of people steaming out there who listen to the first episode or second or pick one episode and say, This sucks and never listen to it again? Or does that mean there's a whole bunch of people represented by those four good reviews that are like, Yeah, I never gave a review, but I like it. you know what I mean? Like I mean that's a good point. If anyone wants to leave a review on iTunes or a rating, please do. <laughs> anyway, so those pump. Pretty much man the year. only way anyone who does a podcast knows if anyone listens is yeah, to exactly. those ratings. Um, because reviews. they're the the re- all the statistics are just bunk. So um So those pumpkin man years, Steve, started in about 2007. I think it's around the same time we started the website, which we started 8BitRocket.com early in 2007. No, um, December, 2006. Okay. So December, 2006. And then uh, we'd been uh, planning it a long time before that. We just, we just didn't do it. We had all sorts of other names. And, you know, Um, we had Metro Hello was one of the sites. Yes, oh, retro the, and and the hell, was, and, the, and the O would buzz out, so it was really retro, retro hell. hell but... Yeah, just like Motel Hell, <clears throat> Motel Hell, and so in any case, the years with the years where we made flash games pretty interesting. They uh, got us into making different types of games and a book, couple books on games and stuff. But after that was done, I haven't made a game since. Still, yeah, me either, because kind of the same reason. It's kind of scary. again it's kind of really a scary hard. world to get into. After uh, the iOS and mobile development and stuff, it it seemed like there's uh game development was democratized so much that there's so much harder to find someone get eyeballs on what you're doing um yeah it's hard it's just like making podcasts or videos too yeah there's there's it's so it's hard to get anyone to see your stuff right so Um, you have to go out with it like we do with this is we we actually are making this for ourselves we just really can't care we do care but we can't if that makes sense Right, I'm. We're. Yeah, this is uh, a podcast for you and I, and it's you for people who like people who discover it and enjoy what we're doing. I hope they really enjoy it. Like, uh, we got a nice message on t- Twitter this week from someone who. Yeah, um, yeah, we get them every once in a while. We get, a, I get another like or another uh, person reaching out so um which is cool but anyway yeah that was a scary time that's why it sort of and it's a pumpkin man and it was a halloween <laughs> game that you made yeah it was made, started in um in the like october 1st of 2007 and i thought it would take a month to make a pumpkin to make a pac-man game and it did so if i had just put out pac-man with pumpkins and on the same level that just it's really not on, a pumpkin it's more like a jack-o-lantern you're a sense. jack-o-lantern right I should have made a jack o' lantern man, but I, but anyway. The thing about it is, I could have made the game in 30 days and put it out. And it probably would have had the same response because people didn't play through all 30 levels and all do all the stuff. But what I actually made was a huge game engine. So that right. was, you know, that but that I reused over and over again to make a Britney Spears game called Bratney to make the um, <clears throat> Jack's Beach Blitz. Jack's Beach Blitz, which was actually was a shooting version of it to make the. Um, the mission Leprechaun, and, and then I sold the game engine too, or licensed the game engine out. So it was a decent amount of time I spent on that one, and and I don't think I ever made anything else like that until we made our book and made the entire object-oriented game engine and some games And That's why I pared it down to, to basically a game called Maze Man, which you could make as many levels as you want, or just have one that repeated over and over again. And if I just made the Pac-Man, it, the, it was a 15 by 15 grid, so I'm not quite sure you could make the full Pac-Man maze, but one of the levels in Pumpkin Man is as close as you can get to making the Pac-Man maze. If you just you did that, and then you skinned your game, I could have made that in 30 days and put it out there and rescan it over and over again. Probably the amount of work that I put into doing these things to make them game engines made made the work much more fulfilling, but made the end game reviews or whatever players just it's a Pac-Man game, right? At the time, retro games were not big at all, and not at all. Um, they might have been growing a little bit. But so you were interested in making a retro a game engine based on a retro game like Pac-Man, but you wanted to make something more. So you spent a lot of time on lots of levels, and what was lost there was that people just saw it as the Pac-Man game. So they didn't right. they didn't see all the content that went into it. No, so, that's okay though. I'm not. I didn't even complain. I, I was such a great learning experience. What about um, watching, playing, reading, programming, listening? What are you watching, Steve? Not much. Uh, We are, I just finished watching Expedition Unknown, kind of a, a afterlife, it's called, and it's four episodes where they try to figure out whether there's life after death, which of course, of course, they're never going to figure that out. But it's good theme for Halloween, I guess. Well, I would say that something I'm actually watching that is um, Halloween themed. Um, if nobody, if people have don't go to the Chills channel, C H I L L Z on YouTube, it's a guy who puts together lots of like, I don't know, ghost UFO style videos, top tens, and stuff like that. So I usually check that out once a week and um, a couple of others. So that's watching, and also. Watched um, El Camino, which is the Breaking Bad movie, which is utterly fantastic for a Breaking Bad fan. I don't know how it would be for someone who never saw Breaking Bad, but it's it's really good. Well, I maybe you're getting pig. Um Try and see. Watch it. What about uh, uh, playing? Playing. Um, I rearranged all of this, all of my computer equipment and video game equipment, so that I could um, try and record the screen better. And I'm going to be doing the blue box games for the Atari ST as a video series, so starting with the ones that you could get here that Atari put out in oh, these blue cool. and green boxes. So there weren't a lot of great there weren't a lot of games. There were a few. Star Raiders, Battle Zone, Joust, uh, Missile command Millipede, a really nice version of Cracked, which and Crystal Castles and Cracked, it's funny, crack for the first system developer was for the Atari ST so that's what I'm playing right now I-, I am playing original JRPGs so because of Dragon Quest 11 on the switch they released Dragon Quest 1 2 & 3 in updated form but I don't care um, so I just finished Dragon Quest 1 I'm moving on to Dragon Quest 2 now also on that switch in the um, Super Nintendo sort of library, you get free on the Switch when you pay for the subscription. There's a version of Breath of Fire, which is a RPG series that started on the Super Nintendo by Capcom, and you get one of those free. So I would suggest if you, if you, if you've never tried a JRPG and you want to try one, that's a good place to start because there's you already own it and it's free. Well, I was thinking of um, here's the front of the um, the Genesis. Uh, what is it? Two hundred and thirteen and one that I have. What, what's on the front of that, seat? Fantasy Star Four. Oh yeah, cool. I don't like. That. I would. I suggest you play Fantasy Star One to begin with. Fantasy Star One, Dragon Quest One, Final Fantasy One. These are all games that are like if you enjoyed Ultima Four or Five or Fantasy Two or Three, One Two or Three, you'd really enjoy those games. They're they're very close to to what you remember. Actually, I'd say. Dragon Quest, Dragon Quest Two, because Dragon Quest One it's only a single player, but Dragon Quest Two you get three. What about reading, Steve? Oh, uh, still reading, uh, Steve. Russian's uh, "Knights in White Castle," which is really good. I am trying to finish up. Okay, perfect. I haven't finished that up yet. Oh, you gotta, you gotta get that done. I mean, I, I yeah. read about half of it, but then it got to some games I didn't care about. So, but the stuff I did read was really good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I got to the chapter that was about making Donkey Kong, and I wanted to savor it, so I didn't... for Donkey Kong for the 2600, and because it's the one that we got part of on the on the web, you know, as a treat, you know, on one of the sites. But um, I stopped there because I wanted to find time when I wasn't tired or when I wasn't going to fall asleep or something and get to it, and I and that's where I stopped, which was kind of kind of silly, but I did. So what are you programming? Um, uh, just Salesforce stuff right now for work. I don't have... I have plans in my mind to do a, a game on the ST. Um, I've been looking for, uh, and maybe it's Pumpkin Man, maybe it's a shooter, maybe it's something else. I'm not sure, Retro Blaster. I have all the Retro Blaster cool. graphics. I think, and, um, but I want I have to use graphics <laughs> on something I already have, which would be cool, because I think Pumpkin Man might work great. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. But um, I, I was looking and it looks like um, GFA Basic 6 and the compiler and some of the tools that go with it might be pretty fast. I saw, I played a game A couple days ago on the ST that was made with GFA Basic 6, and it was really good. It wasn't doing the STE stuff with the blitter. It was just, and so so I'm thinking, well, if it can be that good, I mean, you have to be a good programmer too. Maybe that would be something to, um, to program. Oh, yeah, that sounds cool. Program with. Um, I am programming, I'm programming some, um, chatbot stuff with the open source thing called Raza right now and that's the kind of work stuff but I, I'm kind of fascinated by it on my own and still looking at doing some 7,800 stuff but kind of fall, kind of fell off for now. You know, I, 700. I want to use the, um, the higher resolution graphics mode, and to do that, you you can only ha- you can have you can have multicolored sprites, but you have to layer two sprites on top of one another, so it limits the number of sprites you can have on the screen. So that's why I started working on it, but then I got a little frustrated because now I only have 10, 10 or twelve sprites to use. Which is enough. I mean, I should be I able mean, making embarrassment of riches if you're working on a twenty six hundred or something. I know, I know. I'm just saying, like, I would, but the kind of game I want to make, you know, is not maybe isn't done that way. I can make a small game or something like a. But yeah, seventeen hundred. I would love to get back to also. I just love that system. So, so what about that. listening? Do you have to listening to anything new? You yeah, listening. Forget? Uh, podcast wise, anyone who has a podcast or wants to make a podcast or are interested in how podcasts are made should listen to the first. Season and the last season of the Gimlet series that's called Startup. It's about them starting their podcast company. The first season is all the struggles, and then the last season is going through episodes and is about them selling to Spotify and making a bunch of money. That's cool. <laughs> yeah it's just yeah. so it's kind of inspiring that's all. i yeah. am currently listening to well just on repeat those two new songs by the who that are just oh god bloody, yeah uh, when is that album coming out a december i think that is a packaged album for christmas that i want i, from I can't you. wait yeah like i want you to give me the cd and i want to put it in my cd player in my <laughs> car That <laughs> sounds good all right well that was good for this episode jeff well i think we'll be back next time with something Something. We have we a couple say, plans, what? but I don't want to mention what they are because who knows if they'll come fruition. You got some plans, we'll figure out our plans. Okay. Until next time, into the vertical blank. Yep. See you later. aren't things we ever want these are things that just happen anyhow have a good halloween happy halloween from inside the vertical blank yeah let's let, let's hopefully the halloween things stay there <laughs> stay there <laughs> An 8-Bit Rocket Studios production.